Thank you, choir. Thank you, Mary. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter 9? John chapter 9. We begin going through uh, the book of John, the Gospel of John. John had the gift of writing, and he wrote about the past, which was when he was with Jesus. He wrote about the present, which is 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he also wrote about the book of Revelation, which is a future that's going to happen one of these days when God brings everything together. And it is uh, good to have you today. I appreciate Johnny and Betty. They've been married for 65 years, and this is their um, bouquet or whatever, the flowers up here. So <laughs> would you give them a hand? Would y'all stand up? Would you do that? Amen. Where are you? Where are you? He can't stand? Okay, but he can give a speech, can he? he <laughs> He always has a speech. I appreciate uh, Johnny's uh, civic worship. Now, also, Debbie Bruna, Debbie and Charles. Debbie was my secretary at, at Elkdale for 399 years, wasn't you, Debbie? Very efficient, very spiritual. And Charles was the greatest basketball player ever came out of Orville High School. Amen. Just ask him and he'll tell you. Um, today is Grandparents' Day, so if you're a grandparent, would you stand? And would you do that? Would you do stand as a grandparent? And so many of the grandparents are making a difference in the world today. Now, if you don't have a grandparent with you today, take one of these home with you and <laughs> feed them and then bring them back, and they'll be glad to go home and eat with you. So let me pray for grandparents, okay? And so you just bow your heads, and it's a special time. Uh, Father, we thank you for the opportunity of being grandparents, and we thank you for the opportunity of raising not only a generation, but another generation, and for some, another generation. And so what a privilege it is. And I pray that you would help us in the places where we are to have the strength that we need and the wisdom that we need to raise a generation that will go out and face this world and face this world in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. And it is good to have each one of our grandparents today. The, the blessing for having grandchildren is you don't kill your children, amen, and that keeps you going in a way. Yeah, some, several people that we need to really pray for, and I think uh, Renee's sister, Becky, is in a hospital in, in Montgomery, and so we need to pray for that situation. We also pray for Will and pray for his parents and pray for that situation. We also uh, is made aware this past week of uh, Kish family and Marion Junction. I think there was a tragedy in their family and so we need to remember them in prayer. Now look back at your Bible at John chapter 9. Now I lied to you last week so forgive me. And let me just, in, let me explain, okay, let me, give me an opportunity to explain. The longest chapter in John is chapter 6. And uh, so what I was going to tell you was, what is the longest chapter in John? And you were going to say chapter 6. And then I would say, no, it's chapter 13. And so, but I lied to you. And, but I was planning on coming back and hitting that. But my mind got so caught. You know, have you ever had your mind caught up and you never came back to the thought that you used to have? Well, so anyway, so don't go out of here without knowing that chapter 6 
is the longest chapter in the book of John, okay? If you forgive me, would you say amen? Amen, okay, that's about what? 60% of you, the rest of you. <laughs> gonna hold it against me. Now, um, we, uh, life is a matter of assimilation and accumulation. Accumulation in that we accumulate, go from one experience to another. It just seemed like uh, not too long ago that Susan and I were right here and right up here and Dr. Lyon was here and we pledged our commitment to each other for life. And it seemed like it just went by so quickly. And then we had children and then the children left home and now we got grandchildren and, and the grandchildren are worried about me, they're worried about granddaddy. And one text the other day, I've, I've been fighting bronchitis and I can't even spell it, but I got bronchitis. And I went to the intensive care and they gave me shots and pills. So if I go to sleep, just, just leave and leave me here and sooner or later I'll wake up sooner or later up here. But life just seems to go by quickly and so quickly and we wish we could stop it and hold it right there at some moment. That was a special moment for us and his family. We wish we could hold it kind of right there. And life has its moments that go by and we kind of process that in our minds. And John has given us a uh, simulation or accumulation of experiences of Christ. He picked this out. He said there were others that he could have used, but he picked these out. And so he has seven examples and there's seven signs of the life of Christ. And how Christ did things that disappointed to who he was, and that was the Messiah. So what he did pointed to who he was. And so John wants us to see that and how he experienced those things and how they're true. And he wants you and I to have our experience of Jesus Christ. And how he's still in the miracle business and how he does miracles that to people's lives that eventually some of them don't really believe. They go on with their lives and they pass that experience. But he wants us to come back to that experience and see the Lord for who he is and that he is the Messiah and he is the Son of God and he can make a difference in our world in which we live in. Here in uh, John chapter 9, just kind of looking at John chapter, this is the sixth example or the sixth sign of who Jesus is. The seventh example is going to be when he raises Lazarus from the grave. And that's going to be an amazing kind of thing. And we'll look at that next week. But here is a man who was blind from birth. And it's kind of a tough place to be. And you cannot see things and you can't experience things. And, and for the beggar, this beggar, and we never know what his name is. But all he can do is sit by the roadside and his people by come by he would beg and depend on other people to give him money and to help him sustain some kind of lifestyle. Somebody puts him there, somebody picks him up. He is totally alone in the middle of his darkness. He has never seen the sunset. He's never seen uh, Niagara Falls. I think one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen was Niagara Falls. He's never seen and experienced the sunrise in the morning. Never seen and experienced what it was to see your child uh, do something special. And so his life and his world was totally dark. 
And people just passed him by and he just came, became part of the furniture or part of the way in which they lived. And he, he was an invisible person to a lot of people. And so often that's what we do. We pass by people and pass by people in the middle of needs that need help and we just kind of become used to where they are and become absorbed in our own lifestyle and we kind of miss them and pass by opportunities that God may have for us. Now, in chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, would you stand as I read for us certain passages in the Scripture? Again, this is the sixth sign that Jesus said, that John records. And he will begin with like verse 6. So if you have your Bibles, look at verse 6. He stops by this person that's on the side of the road. And he spoke. He stopped and spent time with him and he spoke. And he spit on the ground and he made clay. Because he's in recreation business. If you remember from Genesis, God brought us into dust and then he breathed upon it and the dust became Adam and Eve. So he sees this man and he, and he puts clay and he spits on the clay and he puts it on his eyes and he's a blind man, he cannot see. And then he told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. The word Siloam and, and John wants us to not miss this because John is very subtle sometimes about the things that he says and, and he hides it sometimes. It's the word sent, that's the word the word Siloam is. And behind that is the idea that God sent Jesus in the world. So he sent and he went away and therefore he washed and he came seeing. Can you imagine that? Being blind and all of a sudden his eyes were open and he could see. If you have your Bibles, would you look further in verse 25? And he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I know not. One thing I know is that where I was blind, now I see. Then he answered them, and I told you already, and you did not hear. Why would you hear it again? Would you also be his disciples? All I know is that he touched my eyes, and I came see. May God bless us today as God opens our eyes so that we may see the wondrous things that he has done for us. May God bless the reading of his word and you may be seated. Now let me tell you about Doris. Doris is a uh, senior adult teacher. She was one of these ladies that every church needs and every uh, senior adult uh, Sunday school class needs. Doris was a, just a ball of fire. She's a good teacher of that class. Her and her husband had started that class, uh, senior adults, and and so he passed away and she kept uh, carrying on that class. But she kind of held all the functions of that class and kind of held it together. And there was a revival in her church at uh, First Baptist Huntsville. And, and as a revival, to get ready for the revival, she invited everybody to her house to eat chicken salad. And that sounds like a good um, Southern Baptist meal, amen, just eating chicken salad. And so she fixed the chicken salad in a bowl, put it on the dining room table, and then went back to her bedroom to finish dressing. 
And when she came back to the, the uh, dining room table, the cat had jumped on the table and was there eating her chicken salad in the bowl. But the uh, visitors were coming and the Sunday school class was coming, so she didn't have time to make some more. And so she said to the cat, if you won't tell, I won't tell. <laughs> so she shooed the cat out of the house and all the family, all the different members came and they had a great time and, and then they had a prayer for the revival and then they left to all sit in the section uh, with the revival. When she came home, uh, she looked over in the driveway next to our house and the cat was there and he was dead. The cat had died over in the uh, driveway. <laughs> so, so, I'm enjoying telling this, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, she called all of the uh, Sunday school class members, told them something's wrong with chicken salad, and they all went down to intensive care and had their stomachs pumped out that night. Um, so she came back home just feeling so bad about feeding that bad chicken salad. And so when she got home, her neighbor came up to her and said, Doris, I'm so sad. I was backing out of my driveway tonight and I ran over your cat. <laughs> now, this is, there's a moral to this somewhere. I don't know where it is. <laughs> so uh, Doris felt so bad, but Doris had blind spots. Amen. We all have blind spots. We all jump to conclusions and make decisions on what we see, and yet there's some. Now, some of us have age spots. Amen. And you can cover those age spots, but you can't. It's hard to cover those kind of blind spots. Because all of us can't see everything, and we don't understand everything, and we jump to conclusions and make those kind of decisions. And we need God to help us in those blind spots in our life. Because we miss seeing what we ought to be seeing, and we put together life from our own sense of perspective, and our own vision is so limited, and we make mistakes, and we wish we could do them over again. Now, the Bible gives uh, about three physical sights and, and spiritual sights and emotional sights. That is, the Bible tells us about different kinds of ways of seeing. One way is physical sight, and nobody in all the Old Testament restored anybody's physical sight. It was an only action that only God himself could do. And when Jesus came into the world, he preached his sermon. And his sermon was from his hometown. And when he preached his hometown, he drew a passage from Isaiah that said the Messiah is coming. And when the Messiah comes, he will restore physical sight. And seven times in scripture, more than any other category, Jesus restores physical sight. Blind Bartimaeus was on the road from Jericho to Jerusalem, and Jesus is on his way to be crucified. But there's this blind beggar, and his name is Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus. 
And he heard that Jesus was coming by and he said, Jesus, have mercy upon me. And the crowd tried to hush him, but he kept crying out, Jesus, have mercy upon me. And so Jesus stopped in the middle of his journey and asked them to bring Bartimaeus to him. And he said, Bartimaeus, what would you like for me to do? And he said, Lord, I want to see. Help me to see. And in that road, in that place, Jesus restored his sight. Because only he can restore that physical sight. There's some great doctors and they have new methods, but it's very seldom that sight is given. It's something that partial sight sometimes can be given, but full sight is only what Jesus can do. It also has spiritual sight. And spiritual sight, remember the story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was in prison. He was a goer and a doer. He was always running and he was an in-your-face kind of evangelist. And yet he had been arrested by, for saying somebody's name in church. And Herod just threw him into prison. And, and there he was. And, and things were happening around him. And he's wondering if Jesus is the one. And every now and then, mine and your vision gets clouded. All of us face doubts. And you're not too spiritual to face doubts at times. And when you pray and pray and pray and you don't see God answer that, and if you go through the book of Psalms, it is David who's praying and praying and saying, where are you, God? I doubt sometimes if you're really there. And Job struggled with the idea of God not being there when things were happening. Why didn't you, you told me you would help me and yet you're not here. And so John the Baptist in that prison situation was facing difficulty and had those doubts about God. And he was the greatest prophet who ever lived and that's what Jesus said. And he sent his disciples and he said, you go and see if he's the one or should we look for another. And Jesus said, you go back and tell John the things that you have seen. And the first thing they mentioned was the fact that he restored sight to the blind. Because that's a crucial evidence of Jesus being who he is. So John the Baptist regained his sense of purpose and regained his sense of that God was there with him and whatever God was going to do, he's going to trust the moment. He also gives emotional sight. That is, we connect somewhere. And um, I, when I was in eighth grade, there was this girl who had a ponytail and, and braces on her teeth. And uh, she was better than Taylor Swift, amen. She was the best looking thing I'd ever seen. And she was a whole lot better than those football players I was beating on during the day. And so we looked at each other and she was a little taller than me. I, was, you know, I am taller than Tom Cruise, but uh, she was a little bit taller than me. And something connected and it connected so well that we dated from the eighth grade on. And then I asked her to marry me and she said she'd have to think about it. I mean, you don't want to rush into these things. And I just bought a $100 ring from Jake Bensky. And I had a $100 ring on the line. So I said, well, I can't study for my exams. Isn't that a cool line until you tell me? And she said, okay, let's do that. So anyway. 
That is an emotional connection. A better biblical story would be the Good Samaritan. There was this man in a ditch, and everybody just passed him by, except the Samaritan. He was a different race, different color, different upbringing. But God connected with him, connected his heart. It's called compassion. And when he connected to him, something happened on the inside. That's emotional connection. And sometimes God will put you in a situation where you emotionally connect with somebody. And in this, in this situation, it is he emotionally connected, Jesus emotionally connected with this man who was by the side of the road. Now look back at your scripture for just a moment and let's look at the text. And in verse 1, it says that Jesus had passed by. And as he passed by, probably the road that goes to the, uh, goes to the um, temple. And the beggars would line all around the temple and way to the temple. And they, as the people were coming to the temple, and hopefully they worshipped. And as they came out of the temple, they would have this sense of worship. And so the the best place to be was as people were going in and out of the temple. And so the man was there and he had been blind from his birth. So he was born blind. Now, blind Bartimaeus was one who restored his sight. Uh, Jesus restored the sight of John the Baptist. But this man was born blind, which had to have been kind of the most difficult case that you could have. And so it became a debate between the disciples. Who sinned, this man of his, or his parents? And a lot of us do that. We associate with a person in a bad situation because he's a result of his wrong decisions or somebody's wrong decisions before him. And you see a mother who has been a heroin addict and she passed it down to a child and those things happen, but not every situation of suffering is a result of somebody's sin. It's because of the world we live in. And those hurting situations happen to all of us. There's no family that doesn't have some kind of hurting situation, maybe health-wise. If you don't now, sooner or later you will. But sometimes God uses sickness to get our attention. That's sometimes that's the only time that we have that we'll look up to the Lord. We kind of get health back and we go on way until a sickness happens and then we kind of turn to the Lord. Uh, I went in the hospital uh, one time and, and I saw this guy there and I asked him, could I pray for him? And he said, hey, well, you know, I'm finding out if I have cirrhosis of the liver. And I said, if I have cirrhosis of the liver, I'm going to ask Jesus into my heart. And so I bowed my head and I said, Lord, give this man cirrhosis of the liver. Because <laughs> he, he is better off having cirrhosis of the liver in Jesus than not being, having, G, having Jesus and having to be helpful. Because sometimes that's the way God gets our change. Now, you can't say that every time. But sometimes that's how God gets our way. So he talks about a mission that we have. If you look in your Bibles, it said, uh, verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me. Because if you're a Christian, you have a mission. 
and God has placed that mission on your heart. And one of the biggest things that I don't want to, and one of the regrets I would have would be, here's your life, and here's what the mission you would have, the time that you were called to be a Christian, and you never fulfill that, that mission. So you and I have a mission, and I pray often, Lord, help me to fulfill the calling that you have or the mission you placed on my heart. And the reason that is because one of these days it's not going to be there. One of these days you're not going to have the energy that you have. So the opportunity of a lifetime must be lived in the lifetime of the opportunity. I used to go, when I was in Thomaston, I would go see a lady named Miss Fanny Burge. And I don't know what it was about Thomaston uh, that all these uh, ladies named their daughters Fanny. I, I had so many Fannies in my church, I mean, they were everywhere. Evidently, that was a name that was there. I'm sure that those girls didn't want to have Fanny written on their name, but maybe they did. I don't know. But I'd go see Miss Fanny Birch, and I'd have to, uh, she was in a nursing home in Linden, and I'd have to wait there until the Jeffersons were over. She didn't want to see me until she had watched the Jeffersons. Okay, so we'd, um, we'd watch the Jeffersons together. But Miss Fanny could, would pick up her, her arms and her fingers that were just kind of there. And at one time, she was the biggest uh, sewer. She loved to sew things and, and do all that kind of work sewing. And that was her ministry. And she'd make things for little babies and for different people. That was what she was so. But she couldn't do that anymore. And she missed it. And she said to me, uh, Dr. Henry, when you go back to church, you tell them that time is limited. Time is limited. And what you have and what God has given you now, the energy and the gifts that God has did, exodize those gifts where you are in the church. Because there's coming a time when you won't be able to exercise those gifts anymore. And I thank God for that word that she gave me fine spiritual woman who wished she could still do what she used to do for people and she missed that gift so much Jesus said there's a limited time that we have in, in this world that verse 4 is I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day the night comes when nobody's going to be able to work and it's going to be a day in this world when God closes the curtain it's over, he comes in this world and he takes those who have given themselves to him to a place that he's prepared. There's just a limited time. There's a limited time when people will listen. There's a limited time that you have to get that in and get those words in and lead somebody to Christ because sometimes that door closes and it's hard to get it back open again. So the man could see. He had his sight restored. That's an amazing kind of thing. But it's when he has had his sight restored that so many people begin to question him. The Pharisees show up and they question him. They said Jesus is a sinner. They, they do him like what's called, a psychologist called a gaslighter. They try to, try to uh, evidence him that, that what he has done is just 
fictional, it's not a real thing. And they tried to question his testimony so that they will see that Jesus is a sinner because he did it on the Sabbath day. I mean, they missed the fact the man could see, but they caught the fact that he had pressed one of their uh, legitimate kind of things that they held clear was about the Sabbath day. And it's amazing, it's amazing how they majored on the minor and minored on the major. And so often we can do that. And the blind man, or once blind man, said this, all I know that where I was blind, now see. Let me tell you how he made me to see. He put mud on my eyes, told me to go to a pool, and I washed in that pool, and I came seeing. That's all I know. Do you want to be one of his? He says. And they said, no, he's a sinner. And so they cast him out of the church. But Jesus found him. If you look in verse 35, if you have your Bible, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he found him, he searched the word there, it looks like he searched him until he found him. He said unto him, do you believe in the Son of God? Or Son of Man in some translation. And he said, who is he, Lord? And he's had a progression of understanding. He saw Jesus first as a man, saw him now as a, later on as a prophet. Now he sees him as Lord. And there's a whole lot of difference. Curios is the word. It's the highest title that you could give. He's Lord. It's Yahweh in the Hebrew Bible. Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Now, the word prosuke is the kind of word that means he worshiped face down. Like he went face down and put his hands up and he worshiped the Lord. The same thing the wise men did when they finally confronted Jesus. They worshiped him. Now, I hope you'll be able to worship Jesus today. Uh, not so much as putting your hands down, but in your heart. Make that a time where you just fall down before him within your heart and just... I want to be able to see. I want to see the world the way you see it. I want to see my children the way you see them. I want to see my generations the way you see them. I want to see them friends and the people I pass by on the street. Help me to see them the way that you want me to see them. Now, uh, Jesus doesn't always restore physical blindness. Uh, sometimes we remain blind or we still be blind. But he can always give us spiritual blindness. Uh, the first of this year, I buried a man who used to be a member of this church. And for so many years, he was a member of this church. He grew up in uh, Wilcox County. And everybody knows that the smartest people grew up in Wilcox County. Amen. That's, those are the wisest people in the world. And um, the foolish people go to Uniontown, amen, and move over to Uniontown. But Chuck Spear uh, was a member of this church. And um, he and his wife had met on the school bus. They were childhood kind of sweethearts. 
um, he went to Auburn and, and he and his brother got in the chemical business down the line. And uh, Chuck uh, had macular degeneration. And he was a man that was used to doing whatever he could do. But you would watch them, and they moved their, when they moved to uh, Fairhope, they moved their membership to uh, our church, and I became his pastor for so many years. And um, Lena would bring him in, and she would have to lead him to where they went to sit. She'd have to lead him wherever they went. And when a man kind of loses control of his life, it's a, it's a deep hurt. Uh, we always think we can go and do wherever we want to go and do, but uh, when that's taken away from us, I think women handle it much better than men handle it. And Chuck could have become a very bitter kind of person. And I'm sure he had his moments there where he would pray, Lord, I want to restore my I want you to restore my sight. And God did not restore his sight. But when I went to visit with him, I'd say, Chuck, are you behaving? And he said, I am, but I'm sorry I am. That's what he said. And if you know who Chuck, you know what kind of sense of humor he had. But he would have that blank stare. So I told him, I said, Chuck, it's Jerry Henry. It's Susan I came to see. And all of a sudden that smile would come on his face. And he got harder and harder as the disease that he was facing began taking his life. But he never lost that smile. He still had that smile. He never said, the Lord has, has forsaken me and I'm here by myself. He never had his sight restored, but he always had that spiritual insight and that spiritual sense of God's presence. And even in his blindness, he found God to be very real. Sometimes he restores our physical sight Sometimes he gives us spiritual sight. Sometimes he gives us that emotional sight for the world that's around us. Now, if you have your hymnals, would you turn to uh, 602? Would you do that? It's, it's going to be our invitational hymn. 602, if you... Um, is a song, a song written by a lady who was blind. And our song leader wrote a little bit about that this week, and it'd be worth your time to read that. Uh, if you look at the bottom, you see that who wrote the words was Fanny Crosby. And uh, when she was a little girl, I don't know, very young in her life, maybe two or three years old, she had this eye disease, and the doctor put the wrong remedy for her eye disease, and she uh, was blind for the rest of her life. But man, did she have insight. She wrote, I don't know, so many hymns, and, and uh, Frank recognizes one of those hymns in the uh, devotional he wrote for our paper this week. She just had that ability. And they asked her one time, they said, how will you know Jesus? When you die, how will you know Jesus? 
And she wrote the words to this psalm as a result of that that was given to her. Look at the words. Look at verse 1. It's written by a blind girl. When my life's work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, in the bright and glorious morning I shall, do you see that word? What's that word? I will see. I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side. What's the next line? And his smile will be the first to welcome me. I hope you know that smile. I hope you have God's approval on your life. And I hope you have that promise of being able to see like you've never seen before. Our invitation is a time to know your Redeemer on this side and know that he'll be waiting for you on the other side. So would you bow your heads for just a moment before we start our invitation time and maybe today you have a decision to make for Christ. Um, easy to have darkness come in and invade your life and, and you don't see the world around you and you become a bit, kind of bitter person about what's happening. God can cure that. And you can give you that kind of appreciation. You can find God in your life even when all the world around you seems to be blind. Lord, we want to see. Help us to see. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.